Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. And I want to share this. So thank you for your giving. Um, I want to share this, and I'm going to try not to get emotional because I was getting choked up. Like, I was like, I can't even share this. I might have to have Bonnie come up and do it. Um, we're going to, uh, uh, Wagner's Restaurant is having a cancer fundraiser. Now, they're having, it's, it's a birth, not birthday, pancake breakfast, even though I have pictures of waffles up here. Pancake breakfast. So they're raising money to um, help two people who have cancer. It's on next Sunday, and so what we thought is if you're going to be here in person, uh, we're going to take orders, send someone, and so we don't all have to go and wait in line and bring it back here. You don't have to stay here and eat it. You can take it home with you, but it's one way to contribute to help them. And uh, let me share this. Um, give me a moment. I, I can't even begin to wrap my mind around what Glenn Wagner is doing because he is just barely on this side of overcoming his own cancer battle. He is still, his business isn't open. <sighs> Sorry. And the first thing he does is go out to help other people. And just my mind is, is blown. I don't know that after experiencing my own cancer battle, barely healthy, business closed for months. I mean, I know some restaurants just closed again. His has not been open since like March, losing thousands of dollars. And the only time he opens it is to help raise money for other people. So the, the least that we can do is say, yeah, even if you're not going to stay and eat, we'll, we'll, we'll send someone to pick it up, and then, you know, you can take it home. And so I'm going to ask the church, if, I, I don't know how much it is, like 8 or $9 a, a plate or whatever, to church for everyone here to cover and pay for our breakfast. That's, I figured that's the least that we can do when he's doing all this. Um, we are continuing... Um, this Christmas season, to look at the Christmas story from the evangelical aspect that it was intended to be seen from. Uh, so if you have a Bible, open it up to Acts chapter 8. That's where we're going to jump to. Uh, but I'm going to put a bunch of stuff up here on the screen first because the heart of Christmas, we've said this over and over, uh, it isn't just celebrating the birth of Christ, but also telling others about his birth, being able to tell people that, yeah, that, you know, Jesus Christ was born. And we're going to jump to, you turn to Acts chapter 8. I'm just going to put a few verses from Acts chapter 2 up uh, really quick. The, the Christmas story that we've been kind of centering on and many of you are familiar with. In Acts chapter, excuse me, Luke chapter 2, uh, it says this. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. 
He is the Messiah, the Lord. And we said that word, that phrase, good news, in the old King James Version, it says good tidings. Uh, that's, and I keep butchering this word, it is actually one word, evangelio. I'm probably butchering it, but it's where we get the English word evangelism. So the whole aspect of evangelism is based on this fact that a Savior has been born to us, and he is the Messiah, the Lord, right? And uh, the word evangelism, it's not about a political agenda. It's about God's desire to save humanity through his son, Jesus. Even though so many people have attributed that word evangelicalism and evangelicals to uh, a political party or to uh, whatever agendas, it has nothing to do with that. It is strictly about sharing about the fact that there is a savior, Jesus Christ. And what the shepherds did next was they went out and they shared it. They went out, so they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word, not about what they had seen, but about what had been told to them. They didn't go tell people, hey, we just saw this baby they went and told people the good news that today a Savior has been born and he is Christ the Lord. He's the Messiah. And everyone who they told, all who heard it, were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. So that has been our focus this Christmas. Is instead of, yes, we want to celebrate Jesus Christ, but how about we minister to other people by sharing with them about the birth of Christ? But we acknowledge and we said a lot of people have a difficult time talking to people about the gospel or, or trying to share the gospel, especially these days because everything is so divided because, of, you know, should you wear a mask? Should you not wear a mask? Should you be in church? Should you not be in church? Should churches be open? Should they be closed? So it's kind of difficult uh, for people. So we're walking through the book of Acts, which is an evangelical letter written by Luke, whole book of Acts written by Luke to share about the good news of Jesus Christ uh, with his friend, Theopolis. So um, if you have your Bible, uh, open it up to, again, the book of Acts. Uh, and one of the first things, if you weren't here last week, that we talked about was the fact that the very first thing that Jesus said before he sent the disciples out is, hey, wait for the Holy Spirit. And over and over again, we looked at last week how before they went out to share the gospel, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was leading them and was guiding them, right? And so we said, we're going to pray for three things. First, that the Holy Spirit identifies those who we can share with, right? Because there are people in our families, in our homes, in our schools that we want to share with. Maybe we don't know how to do it. Maybe they're not ready to hear it. And we may not know, but the Holy Spirit does. So we want to pray and continue to pray that the Holy Spirit identifies those who we can share with. But we also want to pray that the Holy Spirit enables us to share boldly, but also respectfully. Because we've all been on the opposite side of someone who's just trying to kind of ram their way of thinking down our throats. And we said last week that, you know, when you start berating people, they get defensive. But if you share with them respectfully, then they get inquisitive. They want to hear more. They want to know more, right? So we've got to share um, boldly, but also we want to share respectfully. But then also uh, we want to allow the Holy Spirit to allow us to show, not just with our words, but with our actions, that we are spirit-filled Christians. 
the way we treat one another, the way we love one another, the way we talk to one another. It doesn't make sense if I'm trying to get people to, you know, experience the love of Christ after they've just heard me yelling and screaming and, you know, berating someone else, right? So our actions need to match our words. So um, uh, this week, we're going to look at personal instances where people shared the gospel with people on a one-on-one level, not just, you know, standing from a stage preaching. Yeah, that happened throughout the book of Acts, but one-on-one. So uh, if you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 1 of Acts chapter 8 and try to go through a couple of chapters this morning. Now, it says in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 1, it says, And Saul was there giving approval to his death. The death that he's talking about is Stephen, uh, who was one of the deacons, who was literally rocks thrown at him until he died for sharing the gospel. I mean, that's not very encouraging, but wait, there's more. right? It says, On that day, the day that he died, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout the, and pay attention to this, throughout Judea and Samaria. So they were scattered throughout the very same areas where Jesus had told the apostles, hey, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, but also throughout Judea and Samaria and the rest of the world. So on the one hand, this is harsh because they had to leave their homes, they had to leave their schools, they had to go start new jobs, they had to move because they were being persecuted because of their faith. On the other hand, they got to new areas, started new jobs, and people were like, oh, this is your first day, where are you from? I'm from Jerusalem, what would you do in Jerusalem? Well, I, I had to leave there because I was telling people about this God who loves me. And then people started new schools, and they, and they moved in next to new neighbors. And part of the conversations they got to have were about sharing and spreading the gospel. So drop down to verse 4. And this is what it says in verse 4. Uh, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And I know we think that word preached means that they stood up like on a podium and, and, and shared a sermon. That word preached is the exact same word that we read in Luke chapter 2 for good news or evangelism. And in the Greek, it literally reads, those who were dispersed brought the good news everywhere they went. It's not that they stood up and they preached sermons. It's that they shared the good news with their new neighbors, their new co-workers, and new people uh, that were in their lives. Verse 5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks and evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now, this isn't the apostle Philip. That's not who this is. This is Philip, who was the, uh, one of the evangelists, not, excuse me, one of the deacons, actually, from chapter 6. And just stay in chapter 8 uh, really quick. Uh, when the church started growing really big, the apostles said, hey, brothers and sisters, we, we, we can't meet the needs of all you people. There's only 12 of us, and there's like so many. At that point, thousands of you guys making up one congregation. 
So they said, hey, but there are people who, who need to have things done. And they said, this is what you do. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we'll turn this responsibility over to them. And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, who we just read about getting like rocks thrown at him until he died. A man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, who we're about to read about. Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch, a convert to Judaism. So this is the Philip who was chosen to be one of the deacons, one of the people who served out, one of the uh, team leaders in the church. He was just an average, regular person, but the difference was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So drop down to verse 9. It says, now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city. And he amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. The magic that he used, this wasn't like David Copperfield or Penn and Teller. This was demonic sorcery that he was using to perform miracles. Right, so... When they, but verse 12, but when they believed Philip, as he preached, again, that same word, shared the good news, uh, uh, the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Now, this is, this is, this is someone who was filled, I won't say filled, but was, who was using demonic forces, right, to do miracles, to manipulate people. But when he heard the truth of God's word, he himself became one of the people who put his faith and trust in Jesus. And, 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 and there are lots of people who have different spiritual beliefs than we do. And some of them may conflict with ours. There are lots of people who have different political beliefs than we do. And some of it that may conflict with ours. There are lots of people, especially when you bring up topics like sexuality and abortion. And people cringe and they get mad because they, they already have this set way of thinking and this set way of doing things. But when we respectfully share the truth of God's word with them, not, not about trying to get you into this building, but trying to get you to know the God who created heaven and earth. Some of those same people who previously we were at odds with over all these topics, because of the Holy Spirit of God, will come to know God, right? So uh, drop down, go over to verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now, uh, here's the thing. This is someone that he never met, right? Philip had never met this guy before. But following and obeying the prompting of God, uh, he had an interaction with them. And there are many of us, there are people that we've never met, never, never met, don't know them from, you know, 
whoever, uh, uh, meet them maybe in a store, uh, I can't say restaurant right now, but meet them maybe, um, yeah, a store, that's all we got. There's nothing else we can do. So meet them maybe in a store, right, cashier, uh, maybe another person in line, and there's this chance opportunity, and most of us, most of us are not going to strike up a conversation with them about Jesus. Me personally, I'm not. That's just not who I am. Unless the Holy Spirit prompts and says, hey, Floyd, do this. And even then, I got to be honest, I'm going to be like, okay, Holy Spirit, I need, I need lots of assurance that this is you because I'm not going to do this on my own. Right, because I'm just I'm just not the kind of person that stops and talks to strangers um, in the store. But but this is what he did. The Holy Spirit said to him, "Go to the chariot and stay near it." Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Notice how this took place, right? The Holy Spirit said, go. He went. The man just happened to be reading through the Bible, and we all know, sorry, I keep trying to adjust my microphone. Uh, we all know lots of people, right, who ask us about, hey, have you ever, uh, what does this mean in the Bible? Or especially nowadays, you know what, I may not believe in your God, but my so-and-so, insert brother, mother, sister, son, uncle, cousin, whatever, just tested positive for COVID, can you pray for them, right? That, that's a reality that many of us will deal with. My, 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 my son, my, my coworker, my whatever, just tested positive for COVID, can you pray for them? From people who we don't know. But also what happens is there are lots of people who, um, and Glenn said thank you for putting out the word about the pancake breakfast fundraiser, uh, he Said many people helped, uh, Stacy and I, when they were struggling. So I can't read this anymore. You're going to make me cry, Glenn. All right, so moving on. Uh, so we'll, we'll get back to that. Uh, so there are lots of people who ask us about the Bible, like, hey, what does this verse mean and what does that verse mean? And that's what this was about. Someone who was just seeking to understand God more. And so the Holy Spirit, knowing that, uh, sent Philip to interact with them. He said, uh, do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up, sit with him. The eunuch was sitting, was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth makes no sense on its own. And this is what a lot of people do. They'll turn to a passage of scripture and just try to read it and then interpret it. And I'll give you an example. I know, I'm going off track. I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a passage, I can't remember it now, that talks about the fact where God literally told the Israelites, hey, uh, if you keep doing this thing, right, this idol worship, this specific idol worship, uh, you're, you're, you're going to be separated from me and the Babylonians are going to come in and they're going to overrun you. I think it's in Jeremiah chapter 10. And he says, you guys do things like you take, you cut down trees, you make them into idols, you cover them with gold and silver, bring them in your house and you worship them, right? Which is what they did. They made little idols and they worshiped them. There are people today that read that passage of scripture and say, hey, 
This is God saying, don't put a Christmas tree in your house. And I'm like, wait, where are you getting this from? Well, because it says a tree that's covered with silver and gold. And if you ask any Jewish person who knows anything about Jewish history, at no time in Jewish history did they ever cut down large trees and bring them into their houses and cover them. Not only that, God says, you do this so much that this is going to cause you to be separated from me. And nowhere in Jewish history did that ever happen. There are so many people that take the Bible and they look at certain passages and they take them out of context. And so God might send you, and you don't have to be a theologian. Maybe it's the verse that, that, that encourages you. God might send you to someone to share with them, oh, yeah, I know exactly what this verse means. This verse has helped change my life. Let me share it with you. Because that's what happened here. All right? So after he, he, he asked him, what does this verse mean? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So he answered his question, hey, this is what this is about. It's about Jesus, and let me tell you more about the good news of Jesus Christ, all right? Now, uh, the next really big thing that happens in the book of Acts is uh, it talks about the apostle Paul, right? And we, we, we know Paul. Uh, Paul was the guy who persecuted the church. Paul was the guy who, because of his religious beliefs, thought that he was doing the right thing and persecuted Christians. And then he was on the road to Damascus and a bright light shone down on him. And then Jesus literally shows up and convicts him and says, dude, what in the ham sandwich are you doing? That's not the verbiage he used, but that's about what he said. And so then he's blinded. Uh, he goes to the, uh, a house of someone. And in chapter 9, uh, starting in verse 10, it says this, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, because that was his name at the time, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. And how many times have we avoided? God said, yeah, go do this. And we avoided it because, well, God, I don't think you know how mean that person is or how angry that person is. Or I'm an independent how democratic that person is, or how Republican that person is, or how, how, how Catholic that person is, or how Baptist that person is, or how Lutheran that person is. And we try to justify to God who knows all things, here's why I can't go talk to that person about Jesus. But look at what happens when we obey. The Lord, after he said that, the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went, so he obeyed God, to the house and entered it. And placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me 
so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. He could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. He spent several days with disciples in Damascus, and at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. That word preach is the word preach, to publicly proclaim. It's not sharing the good news. The first interaction that Paul had, uh, the first interaction Paul had was with someone who accepted him and welcomed him and prayed for him despite his past. And many of us know people in our circles of influence, either they're angry, either they're upset, uh, maybe they're hurting, uh, whatever their situation is. Maybe they're coming from a really dark place and have done some really dark stuff. Maybe they just got out of prison for uh, serving their time for wrongs they did. And the church usually is very selective in who it lets come through their doors. And I had, um, uh, uh, I won't say their names, but I had a conversation with pastors this week because we were talking about, you know, how pastors, churches do membership class. And so my response was, hey, why are these membership classes so long. It was like a four-week membership class. Why is there a four-week membership class to become a member of your congregation? But all it takes is an instant to become a member of the kingdom of God. All you have to do is acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Savior and, and trust and believe in him. God doesn't then say, hey, but because, because of your past, I need you to take four weeks extra so I know for sure that you're there but the church does. And then my question was, what happens if they don't want to take your class? Then they can't become a member. We're not supposed to be that selective. We're supposed to be like Ananias. When God says go, we go. So despite their past, despite what they've been through, the first thing that people should experience from Christians in a church is, hey, great, I know I've got some stuff going on, but thank you for welcoming me. Thank you for showing up for me. And thank you for praying for me. That's what we're supposed to do. Right? And um, uh, let me share this. There are at least um, 20 different times, at least 20 different times, where throughout the book of Acts, people either preached in a sermon or used their holy gifts where whole, like either towns or cities or whatever were, 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 became followers of Jesus Christ. I just want to share a couple with you. Uh, we know about Acts chapter 2. As a result of Peter's teaching, 3,000 people were added to the kingdom. And then it says later in Acts chapter 2 that the Lord added an unknown number of people every single day. As a result of Peter's uh, teaching, 5,000 people were added um, in Acts chapter 9, as a result of Peter healing Ananias, all the residents, all of the residents of two towns turned to the Lord. In Acts chapter 10, uh, which is one of my, my, my favorite verses, as a result of Peter, share, Peter sharing the gospel with um, Cornelius and his family and friends, uh, they turned to God. In Acts chapter 10, let me share this quickly. Um, I wrote this book. Right? Act like any Christian. Some of you read it, some of you haven't. Um, 
And in it, because it's a devotional based on the book of Acts, each chapter is like a page or two about each chapter of the book of Acts. And before I wrote it, I had some people read it. Uh, Marion read it. Bobby read it. So I could get some feedback on it. And after she read it, Bobby came up to me and she said, you know, your chapter on Acts chapter 10, and let me look up really quick how short it is. It's, it's, it's two and a half pages long. She said, you really need to dig in more in Acts chapter 10. And I said, why? She said, because the Holy Spirit really had to hammer away at Peter to break down the walls of division because they were so divided racially, culturally, politically, that the Holy Spirit really had to hammer at him. So you really need to lay out more on what that process looked like. And I said, okay, maybe I need to do another book that focuses on Acts chapter 10. I actually did do another book that didn't focus on Acts chapter 10, that focused on breaking down division in the church, and in it, focused on Acts chapter 10. That hopefully will be out in January. But in Acts chapter 10, one of my favorite passages, because after the Holy Spirit hammers away at Peter, Peter shows up at the house of someone, and one of the first things he says is, dude, I'm not even supposed to be talking to you or coming into your house. But the Holy Spirit showed me, again, the Holy Spirit, not to call unclean what God has called clean. So Peter goes into the home of Cornelius, and even though they have different racial cultural, political, and financial backgrounds. This is what we read. As Peter is sharing the gospel with him, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Whole, and, and, and Cornelius, it wasn't just Cornelius and his wife and kids. He invited his family and his friends and all of these people. And all of those people got saved. And then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way they're being baptized with water. For they have received the Holy Spirit just like us. Now, granted, Peter was an apostle. But this is Peter just going up to someone, obeying the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And they're like, yeah, could you just tell us a little bit more about this God thing? And Peter didn't share any theology with them. He said, hey, well, you guys know there was a guy named Jesus that lived. You heard about the fact that he was crucified and died. We know for a fact that he rose from the dead. And that anyone who puts their hope and faith in him receives forgiveness of sins. That's how long it took. And before he finished the sentence, the Holy Spirit said, yeah, they're willing, they're ready, they're mine. And they were welcomed into the family of God. That's all that God wants us to do. Is to go to those people in our circles of influence especially during this Christmas season, especially when people are hurting and, and, and just dealing with the loss of hope and all this stuff, just go to them and share with them that, hey, God loves you. And this Christmas season, uh, don't worry about presents because you, you don't have a job. Don't worry about this, that, and the other. But maybe just spend this time 
because God has wiped away, allowed, God didn't do it, but because of the pandemic, all these other things are being kind of pushed aside. Maybe just focus on the fact that that little baby Jesus was born so that you can spend an eternity with God. I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and we're going to do a little uh, prayer exercise as we've been continuing to pray for um, those in our circles of influence who are dealing with uh, just, just who don't know God and, and, and praying that this Christmas, whether God uses us or someone else, that they might come to know him. So I'm going to ask you to, uh, uh, as the band comes up, I'm going to ask you to just bow your head for a minute. And as we've been continuing to pray, don't say it out loud, but just, you know how you used to mouth under your breath when your boss or your parents started yelling at you and you used to mouth something under your breath, just under your breath, silently to yourself, just say the name of the person that you are praying for that would come to know Jesus. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a fellow student, maybe it's a family member. You guys that are watching online, uh, you don't, I'm not going to ask you to type the name out, but maybe as well in your home, if there's no one else in the room but you, maybe you could say it out loud. Uh, and share, just say the name of the person that you are praying would come to know Jesus this Christmas season. And pray that through God's Holy Spirit, that God, as we've been praying, that you would lead us to those people. Granted, there's a pandemic. If it has to be maybe over a phone call, over a text, or via a, a Zoom conference, allow that to happen. And as we've been praying, allow us to respectfully and boldly share about the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, and what that means for not just them, but for all of humanity this Christmas season. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.